Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, or whenever you may be listening. Welcome to episode 15 of the Hang Time with Algie podcast. I'm your host, Luke Algerson. You know how we do it. Let's get right into it. Topic number one. I talked about this last time, but Cam Newton signed with the Patriots. Now, what I did mention, you know, I went over the contract. I went over how I still believe in Cam, but I didn't really touch all the bases of this contract because the the contract in itself might be the most disrespectful thing to a former MVP of all time. So the actual contract for Cam Newton with the New England Patriots looks like this. It's just a one-year deal, and it only guarantees him 550k and a total base salary of 1.05 million. And that's the definition of low risk, according to Ian Rapoport. And, um, you know, the reward comes in 700K in per game roster bonuses and another 5.75 million in incentives. The max the contract could possibly be is 7.5 million altogether. That's what I said last time. And I didn't realize the guaranteed money was so low. So when Richard Sherman spoke out about Cam Newton's contract and how it's absolutely ridiculous, that's an understatement. It is one of the most disrespectful contracts in the league. Now, I understand he's going to go out there. He's got to prove that he can still get it done, that he can play and be healthy. I understand all of that. But if you look at some of these other contracts in the league, as far as Cam Newton is concerned, Some of them are just downright baffling. Downright baffling. We'll start with someone who was in Cam Newton's division. Well, used to be, but that player is still in the same division. Jameis Winston. You know, I know he threw for 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions, so he proved that he could be a solid starting quarterback. He's going to be the backup to Drew Brees this year. And his contract is one year, $1.1 million. So he's just proving that he can learn in a system, maybe step in for Drew Brees if he gets hurt, kind of like a Teddy Bridgewater thing, you know, learn to play within an offense, maybe not throw many, so many high-risk passes. You know, that's understandable. But Andy Dalton is another contract that is, you know, is it disrespectful for Andy Dalton? No, he has one playoff win. His contract with the Dallas Cowboys is one year, $3 million guaranteed. Now, those guys used to be starting quarterbacks, and they showed that they can win on Sundays. Uh, pretty consistent. You know what you're going to get out of most of them. You know, that makes sense. But for them to have bigger contracts than Cam Newton, a former MVP, a guy who led his team to the Super Bowl, one of the most dynamic NFL talents we have ever seen, It's downright disrespectful. Downright disrespectful. I can just go over a couple other contracts that are insane when you look at what Cam Newton has done and what he has shown he can do when healthy. Matt Barkley has 600,000 guaranteed. He's making more guaranteed money than a former MVP. Another guy, Jared Stidham. The one who supposedly Cam has to beat out for this starting job, who the Patriots absolutely love. He's getting 634K guaranteed. Matt Schaub. Matt Schaub is getting three quarters of a million guaranteed. Matt Schaub. Oh my lord. Ryan Finley. 
Ah, seven hundred ninety k guaranteed. Bum. Will Greer, who replaced Cam Newton. Well, actually, no, he uh, he's out of West Virginia. He was the backup. Kyle Allen came in. He was the backup to the backup third string guy, guaranteed eight hundred twenty two k in his contract. Brent Hundley, eight hundred. 88K guaranteed. Mason Rudolph, 932K guaranteed. Robert Griffin III, 2 million guaranteed. Oh, it's, it is an atrocity. And the, the biggest one, the biggest one that is absolutely embarrassing to compare to Cam Newton is Chase J- Daniels. This man is an all-time backup, has never been a consistent starter ever, and has made over $32 million in guaranteed money through his playing time in the NFL, and is now has a contract this year worth $13 million, or I think it's all together. I think it's two years, so either way, he's making over $7 million a year. It, it's a travesty. It's an av- absolute travesty. I understand. The guy has to go out there and get the job done and prove that he can stay healthy. This is a prove-it contract for Cam. In Cam Newton's own words, this isn't about money for me. It's about respect. He's trying to get people's respect back. It's a good place to do it. New England, winning franchise. Yeah, Belichick, they're still a top-five defense in this league. This is the organization where he can get it done. But his contract is absolutely embarrassing, embarrassingly bad. I understand, probably not a lot of options for him. He had to take the best opportunity he can get. But my goodness, imagine only guaranteeing money to a former MVP that's less than a million dollars. It's unheard of. Matter of fact, I even just you can just look at other starters in the league. Philip Rivers signed a one-year deal for over twenty million. Philip Rivers had one of the worst years of his career last year, threw over twenty interceptions. Chargers were a great defense. They got a lot of talent. They moved on from him, and he still went to mini Indianapolis and is gonna get paid over twenty million. And we don't even know if he can get it done. It's it's absolutely head scratching. And it's why I had to talk about Cam Newton being signed to the Patriots. I love the signing. I think it's great. But the amount that he is getting paid is downright disrespectful to the man. Cam's a beast. When healthy, Cam can get it done. And I know we like to look at the pass rating. Yeah. Could he be more consistent? Absolutely. But he also gets it done on his feet, too. You look at guys around the league, who's successful? Mobile quarterbacks with a good arm. Russell Wilson good mobile quarterback who throws missiles. Lamar Jackson just won an MVP and is 23 years young and is still have a long way to improve, but I see improvement coming. He's a beast. Patrick Mahomes, mobile, but he can stay in the pocket, but he's a mobile guy when he needs to. Aaron Rodgers has a cannon. Now, I know you'll say that, oh, Cam's not a consistent thrower like those guys. Cam can still get it done. Cam can still make it happen it just prior to his shoulder injury in 2018 newton completed a career best 
67.9% of his passes and was on the MVP spectrum midseason. And yet, oh, yet people always want to criticize, oh, that career, that career passing percentage. He can be a good passer. So it's going to – it's can't wait to watch the Patriots. They're now much watch football, but it just – it needs to be talked about the atrocity that is his contract with the New England Patriots. So they got an absolute deal, high – Low risk, high reward, and it could pay off big time for them because they moved up to third. I think they have right now the third best odds to win the AFC. I don't know what it was before, Cam, but I imagine they weren't that high. I can matter of fact guarantee it thinking that Jared Stidham's going to get them to that level. No shot. Absolutely no shot. So they got an absolute bargain and hope it works out because I like Cam. He's a beast. He is an absolute monster out there. Moving on, topic number two, baseball. It's back. It's back, baby. It's back. Teams are now reporting. They're not reporting to spring training facilities for this spring training 2.0. I guess it's really summer training to start baseball at, at the end of the month here, but uh, if July. But uh, it's, it's back. We're back up and running for baseball. Teams were reporting to their home stadiums over the past couple days. The Toronto Blue Jays just got clearance from their government that they can actually practice there at the Rogers Center. So team, teams are playing. I, I watched some highlights of the Cubs, you know, showing up. Chris Bryant hitting some batting practice. Javi Baez doing his thing. It's like baseball, it, we're gearing up. We're getting this party started, and I cannot wait what it's looking like it's you know it's looking about the same but here's kind of the parameters before anything happens players will get temperature checks and be tested for COVID-19 starting on arrival day at camp and continuing every other day any temperature above 100.4 and they'll be sent home makes sense don't want to you know affect the players on your roster that makes a lot of sense to me um like I said players will be tested every other day uh, no matter the, it doesn't matter when they're tested, they'll be sent home if the temperature is over 104. Uh, they'll also be required to take their own temperature before coming to the ballpark. Anyone with a fever will be told to stay away, obviously. And um, a few guys have already declined to play this year. Um, I think it's just four guys right now. The guys that I know of are Ian Desmond of the Rockies, Mike Leach of the Diamond Packs. Uh, old man Ryan Zimmerman of the Nationals and also Joe Ross, uh, Ross of the Nationals are opting out to play um, without pay. Uh, each of them have their own reasons. You know, uh, one of them has a pregnant wife. You know, family members are high risk. Um, uh, more players are going to opt out, unfortunately, because, you know, it is a high risk thing. You know, for 60 games and then extended playoffs to be kind of in a bubble you know you gotta really watch what you do it's you gotta take the chance with the health risk but we're all taking it it's your job if you want to make money that's what they got to do so I'm sure more guys will opt out but it'll be interesting to see if any star players opt out I don't think they will I don't think that many big names will opt out if any so that remains to be seen um Right now, I haven't seen that there will be any exhibition games, but they could possibly do, like, um, within their city. So, like, the Mets could play the Yankees. Cubs could play the White Sox. You know, it's got to be local. Like, they're not going to do any long-distance traveling for spring training games to get warmed up. Um, 
you know, there's just just so much good stuff. I'm just so excited for all of it. Um, a couple of the rule changes, I've gone over it plenty of times, but just so you know, all National League games will include the designated hitter. In extra innings, each team will begin with a runner on second base. The runner will be the player in the batting order immediately preceding that half innings leadoff hitter or a pinch runner. As previously planned, all pitchers must face a minimum of three batters. I'm a big fan of two of those rules. I love the DH, and I love the you got to force reliever. You can't just have relievers going out there facing one guy. Unless the, it, the inning ends, I can understand that. You know, you bring a guy in with two outs, but if you bring him in for that inning, he's got to face at least three guys. I think it's a good rule. And obviously, I'm a huge proponent of the designated hitter in both leagues. Just helps out my Chicago Cubs, and I'm, it'll help out a lot of other teams as well. It's going to make the Dodgers' offense more dangerous. I think the Rockies will be more dangerous with that opportunity as well. Nationals, the Braves will be better for it too. It it just benefits all these teams offensively because you no longer have a guy batting 100, and your eighth hitter won't get pitched around so much to face that 100 hitter in your pitcher. So opening day rosters will feature 30 active players. Um, from the team's 60-man player pool, the active roster will be trimmed to 28 players on the 15th day of the season and then 26 players on the 29th day. Uh, there are no limitations on the number of pitchers, and uh, teams will be permitted to carry three players for their taxi squad on road trips, one of whom must be a catcher. Trade deadline is August 31st. September 15th is the postseason eligibility deadline. Uh, it's just the schedule will be regionally based with teams playing 40 games within the division and 20 interleague games against corresponding geographical divisions. I've already seen it. The Cubs are playing the White Sox 10 times. It's already 10% of their schedule is just playing the hometown team. I don't know who else they're playing in the league, but they're, it's got to be, you know, Detroit maybe. Maybe the, maybe the Twins. We'll see. I'm sure they're still working it out, but I know that much for sure. Um, it's just, it's just, I'm just so excited. I'm just so excited for it. It's just finally baseball is back. We've needed baseball back. A couple big guys who um, are out for the season, um, not just because of the coronavirus, but because of injuries, who should be named are Chris Sale of the Red Sox, Noah Syndergaard, Luis Severino, um, and Chris Archer. Those are really the big guys who are going to miss it. All except Archer had Tommy John surgery, so out. And a guy who is coming back from Tommy John surgery, so so (laughs) Otani. Before I butcher his name again, he's one of the most fascinating players as he pitches and hits. So I think he's going to pay off big. I think that's a sleeper team. I'm going to go over sleeper teams at some point, I promise. But just thank goodness. Thank goodness baseball is coming back. I'm just so excited for it. Let's get this bad boy started. July 23rd or the 24th, Nationals against Yankees. Pencil it in, put it in your calendars. Baseball's getting started before... Most of these other sports, you know, MLS is coming up next week, but mm, baseball's way more important than that, way more significant than that. So let's get this party started. Third topic I want to get to is J.R. Smith officially assigning with the Los Angeles Lakers. And 
I think it's a great signing. They lost a- Avery Bradley because he opted out not to play. But And I think JR, you know, he brings championship experience. He brings playoff experience. He's made the eighth most threes in NBA history. JR can play. And I know he hasn't played since, what, November of 2018? So he's been out of the game for a while after the soup incident in Cleveland. Cleveland went another direction in wanting to get their young guys more time. And, you know, JR wanted to go to a contender. No one wanted to trade for him, so they paid him to stay away. And JR has been putting in work. You should just look at some of the online videos. The guy has an absolute sniper when it comes to shooting the basketball. I still think he's a pretty solid defender on the wing. And I don't think the Avery Bradley loss is going to be that big for the Lakers, especially when they replace him with JR. But we, put it, we can put it another way. Avery Bradley was hurt a couple times this year. He was actually missed 14 games for the Lakers. The Lakers record during that time, 13-1. and one. You know, he, he is a nice defender when it comes to guarding the other guards in this league, but I think JR can step in just fine. Caldwell Pope's a good defender. Caruso's a good defender. Danny Green's a good defender. They have guys who they can replace Beverly's production with. And with Dion Waiters and JR, like you can replace the offensive production easily, but you also have guys who can step in on the defensive end. So I'm not worried about the Avery Bradley loss. I'm actually excited for the JR signing because he's the most disrespected player in NBA history. It's not even close. I'm not going to give him too much credit because he does have one of the biggest blunders in NBA history as well. But I mainly blame George Hill for that blunder. George Hill missed the free throw. Like, it just gets overshadowed because JR just happened to not put the ball up, forgot the score. But why don't we blame anyone else? George Hill missed the free throw. The Cavs had a timeout. No one called a timeout. There were three seconds on the clock when he got the ball. Someone could have easily called timeout. Easily could have done it. And George Hill missed the free throw to put him up one. The game still went to overtime. Cavs still had a chance to win. I know they're going against the juggernaut. That is the Golden State Warriors at the time. But... JR is the most disrespected player in NBA history. With all the Henny God stuff, where he says he doesn't even drink Hennessy, but people still make fun of him. There are so many memes of him out there looking ridiculous and people making jokes about him of being an idiot, being dumb. JR Smith would give all those people the business out on the basketball court if they went up against him. JR Smith is a good basketball player. He deserves to be in the NBA, and I really hope he can pre- prove people wrong because he is so disrespected. He's more disrespected than JaVale McGee, Kwame Brown, it, you name it, anyone. Because, you know, we forget about Kwame Brown. We, we forget about guys like that. You know, JaVale McGee won a championship, and no one talks about how he's dumb anymore. He's actually a good, solid role player for the Lakers now. He was a good, solid player for the Warriors in their championship run. You know, he got rid of that moniker, yet JR has held on to it even when he won a championship. Any God JR, making dumb plays. Just, people just constantly make fun of him, and I, I don't think he deserves that kind of flack because I think he's actually a really good player. I think he's actually real good. Now, obviously, he's not a Hall of Famer. He's not an all-star. But people don't give enough credit to the role players of the NBA on how they would bust your ass if they showed up at your local gym and showed up at that basketball court. They would give you the business. They're absolute beasts. 
So to disrespect guys like that is unwarranted. It's unnecessary. And I hope J.R. Smith proves people wrong. I, I really hope he proves people wrong and why he should have been in the league. Lakers are my team to win it. I'll make my prediction soon enough, but that's already the prediction right there. I think the Lakers will win it, and I'm very excited to see how it all plays out. But let's go Lakers. Let's go JR. I'm cheering for you. Let's get the job done out there. And uh, speaking of players that are opting out, so I mentioned that Avery Bradley has decided that he will sit out, and not just because of the movement that's going on with Black Lives Matter. He also has a child that has a respiratory thing. I think they have asthma or something, so... He doesn't want to take the chance of maybe contracting the coronavirus or being away from his kid. You know, family family ties. You know, it's very important to be with your family. And if that's what you're concerned about, don't take the chance. Don't take the chance. So I can respect him for staying away for family purposes. A couple other guys that will not be there. DeAndre Jordan for the Brooklyn Nets. Trevor Ariza for the uh, Portland Trailblazers. Uh, Wilson Chandler for the Brooklyn Nets as well. Davis Bertans I, with the Wizards. I already gave my opinion on him. Willie Cauley-Stein with the Dallas Mavericks. And Tabo Cephalosha will all not be being there. Now, a couple of these guys have been replaced. I know the Rockets have uh, brought back Al Farouk Aminu. Uh, I believe the Mavericks signed Trey Burke to replace Willie Cauley-Stein. Um, I, I don't know what the what Brooklyn plans to do. And I'm pretty sure... Uh, didn't uh, yeah, Dinwiddie contracted the coronavirus, so I don't even know if he's going to be able to go down there because teams start reporting the 7th, 8th, and 9th for the NBA. They're starting to make moves down there. And with the coronavirus, I don't know if he'll be able to travel right away. Maybe later. Maybe later. I'm sure he's just waiting it out, but we'll see. And I know the Trailblazers. I can't remember the guy's name, but he was the G League MVP um, this past I think last season or this past season, if they awarded that, he, he's going to be replacing Trevor Ariza for the Portland Trailblazers, give them a little offensive push, hopefully, see if he can play in the NBA rather than just getting buckets in the G League. But, you know, it's just unfortunate that these guys got to miss time. You know, some of them do have good reason, whether they're sick with the coronavirus, family issues, but guys who are just straight up not wanting to play, there's not many of them. There's not many of them. There's been no report if Dwight Howard's going to not uh, show up. Lakers hope that he's going to be there, but he, he's been adamant about, you know, it's maybe not the time to play, so it'll be interesting to see. But the reports are that even if he decides not to play, Lakers won't sign a replacement for him. Lakers roster is set. They hope Dwight shows up. And I think he's a big piece. I think he's a real – he's one of the best backups – in the league, he could be a starter on another team, but he's got a prove-it contract, and I see JR proving it that he can get it done, just like Dwight Howard proved this last season. So, and then final thing that I want to get to, back to the Patriots. You know, the Cam Newton news was big for them because it overshadowed something else that happened. The Patriots cheated. <laughs> the Patriots were caught cheating once again. So back in the regular season, they were recording the Bengals, like, practice. They set up their own little camera, and they got caught doing it. The The video person played dumb. Like, they, they had been doing it at all the other stadiums, but they didn't have the credentials to be there. And it's just, just 
what I'm not surprised, you know, because Belichick has always, always tried to s- sneak around the rules, do something. He he always tries to do something to just gain a little bit of an advantage. Now against the Bengals, you would say, do they really need it? Like against the Bengals, is it really necessary to be doing that? I don't think so. I think no matter what, they would have, you know, they would beat the Patriots. Excuse the Patriots would beat the Bengals, but for some reason, you know, Belichick just he wants to get that advantage over people. He wants to get that, just prove that he can be. That guy, that he just always wants to find a way around the rules, just always doing a little something, just always trying to get a competitive edge over people. And it, it really is just crazy that it happened on the same day they signed. I'm sure it was a strategic thing. I'm sure they know the penalty's coming. Let's get some big news. Let's sign a big-name guy just to get, you know, save a little face and get away from this. It's just, it's comical very comical they were fined 1.1 million uh i believe they were also did they take away a draft pick i don't think they took away a draft pick too but just just classic just classic belichick but i i gotta disagree that some people are saying that this is why the patriots and bill belichick and tom brady should never be considered the greatest of all time because they cheated when it came to spygate all the teams were doing that. The NFL sent out a memo to every team to stop doing what they were doing when it came to recording walkthroughs and practices. And Bill Belichick just gave him the middle finger and was like, uh, forget that. We're still doing it. And he happened to get caught. He was the only one who got caught. And then uh, the deflating football things is an absolute joke when it comes to cheating. I understand it's easier to throw a deflated football. I understand it's easier to catch a deflated football. But you can't tell me that's the difference between them winning six championships and not winning any championships. It's a joke. And even in that specific game, when they replaced the footballs, the Colts were outscored even more in the second half when they switched to the regulation footballs. It made absolutely no difference, but it hangs on to them. And that's just how it goes. But it's a joke. It, they're still, they are still the greatest organization in the NFL right now, uh, by far. Uh, the, they're the epitome of a dynasty, and they don't get enough credit for what they do. They do some, a couple shady things, yeah. They got an extra camera, so maybe they can see an extra play. Uh I don't believe that's why they won six Super Bowls and went to nine. Uh, I just, I have a hard time wrapping my head around it that you still have to, you might know what's coming, but you still got to go out there and execute. You still got to go out there and stop them. And I relate it kind of back to the NBA. All NBA players know the other plays that they're running. Like LeBron James knows the plays that other teams are going to run and calls them out of where guys should be on that particular play. LeBron knows some team's playbooks better than players on that specific teams know their playbook but yet they still score they still make it happen you still got to go out there and get the job done so uh, the cheating scandal it is what it is it's a it's the patriots i'm not shocked by it i'm not shocked by the news of course they were going to get penalized for this and it someone's got to be the evil guy someone's got to be the bad guy there's always to create drama, you have to hate someone. 
And what better team to hate than the team that wins the most? The team that won in some of the most crazy ways with the, the fumble against the Raiders back in the first Super Bowl run. It, it, there's just so much. The Edelman catch against the Falcons coming back 28-3. to You know, you can even go to their losses. They've been part of some of the most ridiculous games in NFL history. And I, I support it. I'm a Patriots fan. I'll admit it. I like to watch greatness. I like to watch the best teams. I like to watch the best coaches. I like to see them get the job done. And they have done that. They've been great. They've been absolutely spectacular. So that's for the end of the five topics. Now for the conclusion, my unpopular opinion. Now, I don't even know if this is necessarily an unpopular opinion, but it needs to be said. And it's this. The hit king, Pete Rose, should be in the Hall of Fame. And I, I don't know how he's not. And here's the, here is the difference, because I know I came on the podcast before and said that Barry Bonds shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame because he cheated. Well, guess what? Pete Rose didn't do anything as far as cheating the game. He didn't use steroids. He, he didn't do that. That's not what he did. Pete Rose gambled. There's a big difference between gambling and cheating. He gambled on his team when he was the manager of the team. And what's funny, not to make it any right or wronger, but he gambled on his own team to win. He always bet on his own team. He was always adamant that I bet on my own team. And it's something that he is has taken to the grave pretty much at this point, that he only bet on his team. Now, people could say that it could jeopardize the team in the future if he makes sure that they have to win that game. That gambling compared to giving yourself a literal advantage to the game are two different things. They're just two different things. They're not the same. We are not the same. I am a Martian. Pete Rose gambled. Bonds, McGuire, Palmero, Kitseko, Sosa, Clemens, they cheated. They had a physical advantage over the other guys. But yet Pete Rose is somehow grouped in with those guys for gambling. I don't agree with it. it it's unacceptable. The hit king should be in the Hall of Fame. And people could argue, well, why isn't the home run king there? Bonds cheated. Pete Rose gambled. And he only gambled when he was a manager. He didn't gamble when he was a player. He didn't gamble when he got the hit record. Let's just put it this way. 4,256 hits. For some reason, I need to repeat this number because it is absolutely insane. 4,256 hits. Pete Rose did that. Who else you know has 4,000 hits? Pete Rose, most games played. Most career at-bats. Most seasons with 200-plus hits. Is the only player in MLB history to have played 500 games at five different positions. First base, second base, third base, left field, right field. That's consistency. That's being on the field a lot. That's a lot of time being on the field. And I need to repeat it for the third time. 4,256 hits. Huh? Huh. 
he's one of the greatest players to ever play. If you were to talk about hitters, if you were to talk about all-time hitters, I think he's top three. I think it's him, Tony Gwynn, Barry Bonds. And I know Bonds cheated, but he was a beast before the steroids. Still think he has the great hand-eye coordination. He just happened to cheat. Nah, I'm not going to take away him as a hitter, but those are the three greatest hitters ever. And I just can't believe they just grew Pete Rose along with these other guys. He's an MVP, one rookie of the year, three World Series, 17-time All-Star, two-time Gold Glove, World Series MVP, three-time batting title. He's got the silver. He's got a silver slugger. He's a 300 career hitter. Scored two th- over 2,000 runs. Has an on-base percentage of 375. Slugging percentage over 400. The guy is always on the field. Always on the field. He won, won the MVP in 73. I just... He, he was in the MVP voting five times in his career, if I remember correctly. He, he led the NL in doubles in five seasons. He played over... He played 162 games in six seasons. And he played 163 games in a season twice. More than 700 plate appearances in 15 seasons. Had 86 hits in 268 playoff at-bats, which is, for you math majors out there, a batting average of 321. He hit 381 in the NLCS. The guy got better when the times got more important. He led the NL and hit seven times. He's got 1,566 career walks, 14th all-time. Led the NL in singles only three times, which is a little shocking. And he was actually top five in MVP voting in five seasons. He, he won the Hutch Award in 1968. He won the 1969 Lou Gehrig Memorial Award. He won the 1976 Roberto Clemente Award. And just, he's got more than 3,000 at-bats than the next closest guy to him. I just... I don't understand it. And I understand it's the integrity of the game. Oh, he jeopardized the integrity of the game because he gambled. There's a huge difference between gambling and cheating. Straight up cheating. And guess what? Gambling is legal now. In some places, sports gambling is becoming more legal by the day. Now, it's kind of an unwritten rule that players don't gamble. But guess what? Pete Rose didn't gamble when he was a player. He did it when he was a manager. And I'm saying a sin doesn't cancel out another sin. But Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. He should be in the Hall of Fame. When it comes to just being one of the greatest of all time, getting the job done consistently and doing it fairly, Pete Rose did that. Pete Rose did that. He's a great TV personality. I love listening to P. Rose talk. Frankly, if Fox had anything, did anything smart when it comes to their postseason coverage, they would have Pete Rose, Frank Thomas, Alex Rodriguez, and whatever little hosts they want to throw up there with those four guys because it was absolutely great a few years ago when they had those three together out there. 
because Pete Rose is just going to say ridiculous things. A-Rod's got a great perspective, and I like Frank Thomas, too. You wouldn't think that that, that would work, but it worked perfectly. Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. And that is the end of episode 15 of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned. More episodes are coming. I promise. And uh, remember, during this pandemic, that is the coronavirus, wash your damn hands. All right, I'm out. Peace.